Life Audio. This is Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. Thank you guys so much for being here today with us on this particular episode. Have you ever wondered why the person that you love the most is also the person who can drive you crazy the most? Has anybody ever felt that way other than me? Yes, I know, right? We all feel that way sometimes. The person that we love the most, which is usually our spouse, is also the person who can irritate us the most, who can frustrate us the most. It's the person who knows that one nerve that we have left and they just press it over and over and over. Why does this happen? Well, obviously, because they have access to our heart, right? And so the person who has the most access to your heart is also the person that can unfortunately also hurt you the most or frustrate you the most. And so I really am excited about this particular interview, this particular conversation that we're going to have with our guest today. Her name is Karen Eman, and she is a New York Times bestselling author of, get this, you guys, 19 books, 19, yes. She's written on all sorts of things. And we're going to talk about one particular book in, uh, that she's written recently called Keep Showing Up, How to Be Crazy in Love When Your Love Drives You Crazy. I completely resonate with this title. And I know that Sean does too. So I'm not like trying to throw him under the bus. I know we both drive each other crazy sometimes. Karen has also been in lots of media outlets. She has been on Today Parenting, Fox News. She's been on Family Life, Focus on the Family, At Home Live, all the places. She's everywhere. And she's also a speaker with Proverbs 31 Ministries. And she really just helps us today to feel normal. Okay, if you feel like, you know what, I shouldn't be thinking these thoughts about my spouse, I really should be kind of further along in my marriage than I am in, you are going to feel in such good company because Karen has been married for almost 40 years, y'all, and she still feels this way sometimes. I've been married for 24 years and I still feel this way sometimes. So if you've been married for two years, five years, seven years, and you're like, I need to get it together. I'm going to tell you that you're in good company. All right. So you guys just sit back, enjoy whatever you're doing right now. Can I just encourage you to dial all the way into this episode? What Karen is going to share with us is so practical. It's it's so hands on. Like that's the best word that I can think of. It's just it's like you're going to be able to take some meat away from this conversation, okay? And you're going to be able to implement some things that she teaches us today on this episode. So, so glad that you're here. Pull up a chair, wherever you are, unless you're in the shower, go ahead and finish your shower. If you're taking a walk, keep on walking. If you're driving, turn it up. This is a great episode for you to listen to. So let me introduce you all to our guest for the podcast today, Karen Eman. Hey there, lovebirds. Are you ready to take your relationship to the next level? Real Relationship Talk is all about uncomplicating your relationships and creating deeper connections. Many of you have already taken my free quiz to test your relationship connection and are receiving my free tips on how to reconnect with the one you love. If you haven't yet taken the quiz, be sure to check it out today at danashay.com forward slash partner quiz. That's danashay.com forward slash partner quiz. Your next level of connection is just a quiz away. Karen, it is such a treat having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being with us. I can't wait to hear all the things that we're going to talk about. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, just at the start, I just want to say I saw that you were a speaker at She Speaks this year. How did that go? Actually, I ended up not being able to go. I had to get some kind of quick turnaround medical tests. And so I didn't get to go. 
Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I know that you're just getting over COVID and just kind of like all the health things and stuff. It's been a crazy, crazy year with just health stuff. So I really want to get into your book, Karen. I love the title, especially the subtitle. I had the privilege of reading it, which I always love to do. If I'm going to have an author on the show, I'm like, I want to read their book and get into all the things. So the book is called Keep Showing Up, How to Be Crazy in Love When Your Love Drives You Crazy. I love the subtitle. Where did you get the subtitle? from? Well, my husband and I, we always joke that, you know, when you're dating, opposites attract, but then once you're married, they attack instead. And my husband and I could not be less alike. We think so differently about so many things, how we approach life, what we like to do. He zigs, I zag, and it can drive us crazy, or we can let it instead drive us straight to Jesus. And that's what we try to do in our marriage. So when we were um, going through some of the the things in this book, I was, you know, asking permission to tell some of the stories and stuff. And he asked me what the title was. I told him and he said, what's the subtitle? And so we kind of bantered around a little bit. And then we said, Let, no, let's do that one because we do drive each other crazy. You and Todd have been married for how long? Uh, 37 years. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. All right. Well, you've written um, many, many books. The last thing that I read was 19 books. Is that so accurate? It is. Yeah. And so you've written on things like hospitality, organization, parenting, um, how to speak with your words, using your words positively. Why now write a marriage book? Well, I always said I wasn't going to write a marriage book ever because everyone I ever knew who wrote a marriage book, then their marriage really got attacked <laughs> terribly. Uh, and yeah. it got to be a struggle. And so I thought, oh, I don't want to do that. But yeah, I had a couple friends really encourage me to do it because they said, you know, your marriage book, I feel like wouldn't be uh, here. Our marriage is perfect. Here's how your marriage can be perfect too. But it would be more, you know, this has been hard it's been a struggle. And, you know, I laugh at the subtitle, you know, how to stay crazy in love when your love drives you crazy. There are things about spouses that do drive us so crazy that we just want to throw in the towel and, and stop and not keep showing up like the title of the book says. And so those friends said, I feel like you could really speak to that woman for whom marriage isn't easy. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And she wants to throw in the towel. Now I'm not talking about situations where there's been infidelity or abuse or anything like that. Of course, that is completely different. But for some of us, just having an average marriage with the average struggles, we can sometimes just say, it's got to be better with somebody else. So I'll go find somebody else. And without fail, everybody that I know in my life that I look at that didn't really have a real dire um, reason, biblical reason, or um, you know something really, really serious, a reason for leaving their marriage. They just kind of thought, eh, I just want a different partner. None of them, when they went and found someone else, did they think it was better. In fact, a couple of them have confided in me. They wish they would have stuck it out. So mm. I, I just feel like I wanted to encourage that, that person for whom marriage isn't easy and their spouse is so different to learn to see those differences, not as wrong difference, just different. And sometimes if we are really, strategic and careful and prayerful, we can make those differences actually work to our advantage rather than just drive us nuts. Yes, yes. I love, first of all, just the whole idea of writing a book, not from the mountaintop, not from like, I'm an expert, do what I do. Um, and that's really the the whole goal of even our podcast. You know, it's called Real Relationship Talk because we talk about real relationships. And I talk about my marriage a lot because we've had a lot of struggles in our marriage. And I think that 
people can relate to that when you're willing to say like, it hasn't been a cakewalk. It hasn't been perfect. These are the things that we struggle with. People feel like, oh, okay, so we're normal. You know, we're, we're, we're in good company. And so I think you just do a beautiful job writing um, your, your own history, but also given the facts too. And as I was reading the book, there's so much great marriage advice in this book. You know, there's so many things that I'm a coach and a lot of the things that I coach on, I'm like, yep, we talk about that all the time. Yep. We talk about that all the time. And so I think like your, your history, obviously being married almost four decades, that obviously plays a part, but then Karen, can you tell us where else have you drawn like your, um, your marriage wisdom or your kind of marching orders, if you will, other than the Bible, obviously, where else do you and Todd kind of hang out in the marriage space? Well, for me growing up, I was raised in a divorced home. My father got remarried when I was in college. My mother never did remarry. And so I don't have an example of a marriage in my own home because my father left after having multiple affairs when I was in the second grade. Um, I always like to make sure I say, though, the last 20 years of his life, though, he came back to the Lord and was the most wonderful grandfather and reconciled with my mom and they forgave each other and it was me and my brother and it all ended up well. But when I was younger, I just didn't have a picture of what a good, healthy marriage looked like until I was in high school and I started going to the little church across the street and met the pastor and his wife who welcomed me and told me about Jesus. And that's where I became a Christian. So for a lot of years, they were my mentors. And then I think just having close friends whom I've known for decades, where we get all up in each other's business, where, you know, we serve as a locked box for each other, not a place to go and just vent about your husband and complain about your husband, but to honestly process something you're going through and then know that that person loves you enough to tell you the hard truths. And there are a lot of times uh, I think of my friend Susie, <clears throat> we joke with each other. If we ever make it to 50 years marriage, either of us, we're going to send the other one a thank you note because I can process honestly with her. She believes in me. She believes in the Bible and she will give me great advice. But honestly, like two out of three times, she takes my husband's side. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> I don't like that, but you know, sometimes right. I need to hear somebody because I'm just so mm -hmm. mad wanting to prove that I'm right and he's wrong. But I know honestly and objectively listen to what he has to say. So I think having those in real life friendships that will tell you the hard truths is so important. Not that there aren't places online to go to. There aren't great books, you know, and seminars and, and conferences to go to. But you really need somebody who sees you day in and day out and knows the real you, not just the you that's on social media. Yes, I love that. I was going to talk, I was going to ask you about this later on in the interview, but since we're talking about it, let's go ahead and jump into it. In chapter eight, you talk about this very thing. We need more spotters and we have something in common. We're both cheerleaders. Yeah. And so I completely got that analogy when you were talking about that. And for the guys who are listening, like what in the world? You, I think of the same thing with like weightlifting, right? Like you need a, someone to come and spot you. And that's really what you're talking about is having these people that really know the real you that are in your life. Funny, right before we got on this interview, I was in a coaching uh, session with a couple and I was telling them, I said, all right, you guys, let's talk about who, who are your people? Like, who are you guys going to be intentional about this week to hang around with? Because there's something about when you uh, are with other couples who are like-hearted, I like to say, like who are like-hearted, who are going to challenge you, like you were saying, Karen, who are also going to maybe point out some things 
that you're doing right that you might not realize. So with this couple that I was on uh, this interview or this uh, coaching call with, I said, you know, when you're around other couples, you can see like, oh, I'm glad we don't do that, <laughs> you know, or, oh, I would actually like to try that in our marriage. So it's, it's, Yes, they're like speaking into your life, but then sometimes it's like more is caught than taught when you can see like there's really good behaviors or good habits that these other couples have. So I wanted to ask you for, let's say a couple is listening right now and they're like, okay, we need spotters. We need other couples that we need to surround ourselves with. But like, where do we find these people? How would you advise them on how to find like real people that they can share their lives with? Well, I know it's going to sound like a Sunday school answer to begin with, but first, just really make it a matter of prayer. Like God knows our needs. And if we need another couple in our life with whom we can share our, our frustrations, our joys, our triumphs, <clears throat> ask questions, if that's a real need. God will, will help us in that endeavor. So I think number one, pray about it. Uh, yes, church can be a great place. We've found some of these friends through church, but other friends we've found through like other avenues. Um, when our children were really small, we homeschooled our kids. And one of the couples we met just through going on field trips together, but just be kind of on the lookout for a couple with whom both of you click. Cause you know how it is. Sometimes you really click with your best girlfriend and you want to do things the four of you and the husband's just, you know, they're just not really in tune with each other. or They really don't enjoy the same things. So make sure it's not just somebody that you enjoy being with or that you think would be a good peer mentor, but consider the whole package, you know, you as a couple and them as a couple. And I think there are um, times that maybe your pastor or somebody on staff could connect you with someone. If you said, Hey, you know, marriage isn't a walk in the park for us. And we'd like another couple to come alongside of us to, to help us and us help them and, and just really be real with each other. I think that can be a really great thing. In fact, our church does that. They match up couples together for marriage mentoring. And I think that there would be pastors and staff members that would be willing to do that. But I think mostly you need to look for people that will be authentic and that aren't, you know, don't set it up. If you ask somebody, hey, would you like to get together so we could maybe explore being peer mentors together? Make sure it's not that you're trying to appear perfect or they're trying to appear perfect. But from the beginning, just say, we're just looking for people with whom we can be real. Like we can talk mm -hmm. about the hard stuff and we don't want somebody that's just going to be a yes girl and a yes guy that just say, um, whatever y'all, that sounds good. That sounds good. We want people that will say the hard things. If we're struggling with something and we're processing a situation and we feel like maybe if maybe it's even something you and your spouse are on the same page with, but it wouldn't be good a good move. We want another couple that will say, you know, we kind of think that might not be a good move for you as a family right now. Somebody that will be honest because they, they want the best for us and they want to point us to Christ. And I think too, just making sure that they're spiritually growing. They don't just say they're Christians or they're church members or whatever, but really look for somebody that, that you can tell they talk to Jesus and they study their Bible and they're learning new things that they don't think they've arrived. Just that real raw authenticity, I think is the most important. But if you yeah. really need that, pray about it because God will bring mm -hmm. those people to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's such great <laughs> advice. So, well, we're going to take a quick break so that we can hear a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. 
Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. All right, Karen, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, again, you were talking about like, how do we actually make this work when we feel out of love with our spouse? Um, I want to say maybe seven, eight years ago, I did this video on YouTube about falling out of love. And that one little video is still like still gets plays all the time. I still have people writing in about that video. But the whole premise of that is a lot of times I think we, we treat love like it's this like ditch that we accidentally fall into. You know, like I fell in love and then we don't know what to do when the feelings go away. And so you talk about that a lot in this book. In fact, in chapter two, when you're talking about the sandpaper spouse, you say, choose your love, then love your choice. Can you expound a little bit more on that? Yeah, you're so right. People think it's this thing that you magically fall into and there's a soulmate out there that completes you and everything's going to be wonderful in a walk in the park. And then the first time it's not, we think, oh, we must have chosen wrong because mm-hmm. love, love's not a feeling, love's a choice. Yes, there are feelings that accompany it and those feelings can come and go, can ebb and flow, but it's a choice and it's not something meant to make us happy. Uh, it's meant to make us more like Jesus. And I have to remind myself constantly that marriage is not about me. It's not about me. It's about really, well, I like to say it's, it's your marriage is a message and people are watching you preach. Do they see the gospel? Do they see forgiveness when your spouse messes up? And not that feelings can't be a part of it. In fact, one thing I love to do when I ever feel like, I'm not, you know, my, my husband, and I joke all the time. I love you, but I don't really like you right now. You know, <laughs> And when you feel like you don't have those warm, gushy, gushy feelings, I ask the Lord to just remind me what it was like when I first fell in love with Todd. What was it that I loved about him? And to remember those things, because often in the everyday, ordinary, almost, you know, repetitive monotony, <laughs> drudgery of life, it's easy to not see that person that you fell in love with and why, what qualities drew you to them. Instead, you just, you know, they're like a work partner and there's a whole bunch of work, especially if you're raising, you know, in the thick of raising kids. And so you start to treat them almost like a coworker or a partner that maybe is not pulling their weight because you took out the trash three times last month and they only did it once, you know, but Mm -hmm. to really separate yourself from that and just to, to ask the Lord, help me to remember why I fell in love with this person in the first place, help me to see their good qualities and help me to realize that there are other people watching how I treat my spouse. And I know um, it might sound like a little 
over the top to say that your marriage is a message and people are watching you preach. But there is a young girl. Um, she's now married and has a couple kids. And she's in our life. And she became a Christian when she was very, very, very far. In fact, she was one of one of my son's friends. Um, she hung around in this this gang in high school. And she was probably the one I thought was be least likely to become a Christian. But she tells us to this day, the reason that she was drawn to Christianity was because of spending time in our house and watching my mm -hmm. husband and me and our marriage. And, and she said, it wasn't like you guys were perfect, but I just saw what she didn't see in other relationships in her family was that if we disagreed about something, we talked it out. We got over it. We, we forgave each other and we went on we didn't try to appear perfect. We just let her in our life, our everyday life. We enfolded her in our family, made her a part of our family. And she got to see up close what it was like to have a relationship with someone that you loved like crazy, but that also drove you crazy. And sometimes you butted heads with, and you had to, to talk things out. You had to forgive and go on. And she said it was so there was something about our relationship and how she felt in our home that made her want to start reading the Bible. And so she wow. did. And then she became a Christian and, and the, the friend of my son's that she was dating, which was the whole reason she became one of the gang that hung around in our house. He also now has become a Christian and they have three sweet children and they're serving and loving in their church. And she will point back to just spending time in our walls, watching us interact as a husband and wife as the reason um, that she was first curious. Now, of course, God does a saving. We didn't do any of that, but sure, it would, God yeah. used us to point her to, there's, there's a way to live life and it's found within the pages of this book. And she wanted to check it out. And she did. And God I love that. Faithful. Yeah. That's powerful, Karen. That's so powerful. You know, the fact that our marriage is a message and it's either um, ministering in a good way <laughs> or not such a great way. Um, and I think that, you know, especially for those of us who have, who have kids, we know that like subconsciously we know, okay, our kids are watching and they're picking up all of this stuff. But, you know, I think it's just another reminder for us to really be mindful of the little things, right? Like how we treat each other. Do we say, please, do we say, thank you? Do we, um, give each other compliments? Do we smile, you know, around each other? Like some of those small little things that can kind of go out of the window. It's like all of that stuff, our kids are watching. And so maybe someone's listening and they're thinking, well, I don't have some big, you know, audience around me, but like you always have an audience. If you have children, they're watching and listening and perceiving every single thing that you do. Um, yeah, that's such a powerful story. Such a good reminder on how we, even without like you, I don't know if you all ever actually preached to her, but like even without you saying a word, just your presence, just your demeanor, just what she saw, again, going back to the more is caught than taught, just what she saw um, really, really ministered to her. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to go back to kind of this whole like falling in love, you know, what do I do when, you know, when I feel like, okay, I know what's right, you know, I'm reading your book. And it's like, you know, of course, you refer to like First Corinthians 13. And that's kind of like the love chapter that lots of people know. What would you say to someone who's like, okay, I know what to do. I know the difference between the feeling of love and then the action of love, but I'm just not feeling it. I don't feel like I can continue in this relationship or I don't feel like I can continue to be the kind of partner or spouse that I need to be because I don't know if I'll ever feel those loving feelings again. How would you direct a person like that? 
Well, we have to remember that the feelings don't come first. We don't lead with our feelings and and decide to treat our spouse in a certain way because we feel like it. The actions come first and the feelings will follow. And it's not always right away. Sometimes it takes Mm -hmm. a, a long time. But I just remind myself that I am loving and serving my husband and asking for forgiveness from him during the times I blow it and trying to go out of my way sometimes to do something special for him. Um, Not because I'm looking for a response and wanting him to reciprocate, but I do it because I'm doing it for an audience of one. Mm. God is watching me. And I, I stood up before 225 people at my wedding and said that I would you know, love him and serve him and stay with him and be faithful to him. I said that in front of all those guests, but I also said it in front of God. And so I have to mm-hmm. sometimes remind myself I'm doing this for an audience of one. And I, um, I have a little bit of a story that goes along with that. I took a train to Chicago not too long ago to actually coach somebody and um, starting a speaking ministry. And as I was going through the Michigan countryside, I rounded, we rounded the corner on this train and there was just nothing but just weeds for as far as you could see, just kind of desolately and not a lot of trees, just kind of blah looking, but way off in the distance. And it got clearer as we rounded the corner and the the train kept going was this absolutely breathtaking lilac bush, like bright, bright, light lavender, absolutely gorgeous, but it was way in the middle of nowhere where nobody could see it. And I thought, you know, my marriage is kind of like that. You know, mm-hmm. there's there, yes, there are people watching you, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's just you and your spouse and you don't feel like serving them and loving them and sacrificing for them. In fact, you don't even really know if you like them, right? <laughs> you don't even know if you want to be nice to them right now, but, oh, right, right. but God is doing it. He, he is watching mm-hmm. you and, and you need to bloom even when nobody's around. Because the Lord sees what you do and you made a commitment to love this person, to honor them, to cherish them, whatever it was that your vow said. And you made that commitment to God, not just to your spouse. And you didn't make it on a condition. They're like, there wasn't, as long as they're treating me good, okay, that's understood, right? No, we do it because that's what God does to us. He loves us when we are unlovely. He loved, loves us when we do wrong. and we are displaying the gospel, even if it's just for ourselves and our spouse, when we continue to love and serve. And again, I'm not talking about if, if there's something dire going on and you need to get serious help because there's, you know, something not right in your marriage. I'm just talking about those everyday times when we just do feel like the feelings are gone. If we just keep loving and serving, knowing that we're doing it for God. I I know my time, my time's, when I kind of felt like the love was gone, it always comes back. There always happens to be, I'll tell you just one real brief instance, not too long ago when I was feeling like the love was gone. And I just asked the Lord, help me to keep loving, help me to keep serving and help me to see him with your eyes. And my husband came home from something at church and he had decided to start mentoring this little second grade boy who was struggling with reading and my husband is dyslexic and he struggled with reading. And I saw him prepare these lessons for this kid and take him his favorite candy bar and just take an hour and a half out of his week every week to go mentor this little boy. And I fell head over heels in love with him again. I thought, 
Oh, he is. He's so other-centered. He's so kind. Yeah, he forgot to take off the trash. Yeah, I found his toenail clippings <laughs> on the floor. You know, <laughs> these things are driving me crazy. But I'm like, oh, I love that about him. That mm. he cares about, he loves to help people who are in situations that he was once in. And I just fell in love all over again with him because I was looking for it and I was praying about it and I was continuing to love and serve, not because I get something in return, but because I told God I would. I love that. You know, I'm sitting here listening to you. Of course, a lot of your references are for Christian couples and people who know the Lord. Of course, there are lots of people who listen to this podcast who are not in their faith or who are curious mm-hmm. about faith or what have you. And I, I just can't help but to think like my husband and I have been married for 24 years. We would not be married if I was not a believer. There's no possible way because I'm like, when you get to that point where you're like, I'm sick of this, I don't have to continue with this. I don't want to continue with this. Like, like you, we as believers, we do think of Christ and we do think of like the sacrifice that he made for us, the forgiveness that he extends to us, even when we don't deserve it. So a lot of times, to be honest, I'm just like, you know, I want to be able to tell like people who don't know that love yet, like, you know, you're just going to need to like experience it for yourself because there's nothing else really that would make someone continue to hold fast to a covenant or a commitment that they made if they didn't have like a deeper anchor, if they didn't have that experiential knowledge and um, just that understanding of what Christ does for us when we're unloving and when we're unlovable. And something that you said that was just so, so good. You said, you know, what you look for, you will see. And I think that that works in the positive and the negative. It's like when we're always looking for the wrong, we're always looking at the things that our spouse is doing wrong or the things that they're doing to annoy us, you'll find it. It's easy to see. But then when you start looking for the positive and you start looking like with your husband, like, wow, like, look how other centered he is. Look how compassionate he is. Look how sacrificial he is. Like, now I'm going to switch lenses and I'm going to start looking for the positive. So thank you for bringing that out. I think that's such a like that that's like worth the price of admission, like just that we need to just sometimes look for what we want to see instead of looking for all the things that are wrong in our relationship. Yeah. 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 Well, we could talk about marriage all day. This is obviously a passion point for you. It's a passion point for me, Karen. I want people to be able to find your book. And uh, so where's the best place if people want to connect, if people want to connect with you, where's the best place that they should go? Probably just to go to my website, KarenEman.com. And Eman is spelled E-H-M-A-N. And there you can see where I'm at on social media. I've got a blog there. I've got some freebies that you can download to like some free date night questions to get to know your spouse all over again and some five day challenges and uh, different things they can just check out for free. Yes. Awesome. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes of the podcast. You've also got those dating questions in the book. So I wanted to make sure that people get the book because it's such, such a good read. Well, before I let you go, I want to ask you what in your almost four decades of marriage, what is the best relationship tip or the best relationship advice you've ever received from someone? When we were first married, the first two years, and I, you talk about if you were not believers, you and your husband wouldn't still be married. We, we don't think we would have made it to two years because two <laughs> years was so hard. But um, we actually had a speaker come into our youth group. My husband was a youth pastor at the time. And she was talking about relationship with your parents, but I, I used it with regards to marriage. And it was this, that you know, a lot of times you think the greatest conflict is 
money or sex or communication or whatever. But she said that, that most conflict in marriage can boil down to three things. The first thing is emotional baggage, stuff you've had from your past. You know, maybe when my husband I mentioned was dyslexic, he always didn't feel like he was very smart. And so if I would say to him, oh, quit playing dumb with me, which just meant quit acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. He took it personally because of his emotional baggage. That comes into play a lot. The second thing is unmet expectations. I thought my husband would be able to fix anything around the house because my my father could and my brother could, but he couldn't. And so that was a great sense of frustration to me. And then the third one is untrue perceptions. When I have my husband, hey, can you bring home some coffee creamer for me? And he brings home fat-free coffee creamer. I think, <laughs> oh, are you trying to tell me something there? You know, so that emotional baggage, those um, unmet expectations and those untrue perceptions, if you can unpack those things and 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 whenever you have a conflict go, is one of these three things happening? Let's talk about it. It makes it so much easier. Almost always when we have a conflict, it's because of one of those three things. And I have, I have remembered that for almost 40 years, those, those three things to just really look at what's going on in your conflict and just see if it's because of one of those things, because those things can trip us up. So good. So good. And of course, we'll link to those three tips in the show notes of the podcast as well. Karen, thank you so much for being with us. This has been such a treat. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. What great, solid marriage advice that Karen just gave us. You guys, as I was reading this book, I, I love, I'm a reader. First of all, if, you, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that about me. I'm always recommending books and I'm, I'm such an avid reader. And I read a lot of marriage books. And if I can just be honest with you, there are a lot of marriage books that I'm like, eh, let's toss this one to the side. This book, in all honesty, is such a good read. It's really practical. And that's what I like. I like practical stuff that you can get your hands on step by step. I'm a to-do list kind of person. So tell me what to do and I will do it. And that is what this book is going to do for you. So of course, we'll link to Karen's book in the show notes of this podcast. Of course, you can always find the show notes to the podcast at realrelationshiptalk.com. This episode is episode 175. So just realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 175. One thing that Karen writes about in the book that we didn't get a chance to get to in the podcast, but I want to leave you friends with this. She says, never stop starting over. I love that so much. Regardless of where you are in your marriage right now, maybe you feel like you've made so many mistakes and the grace has run out. What you've done is just unforgivable. You're tired. You're miserable. You've just lost all hope. Can I encourage you today? Never stop starting over. If you are a believer, there is still life in your marriage because you have the source of all life living inside of you. So regardless of what is going on in your situation, there is always hope. There is always another chance. And so never stop starting over. I hope that you have felt so encouraged after listening to this episode. You have some work to do, my friends. She has given us some practical step-by-step wisdom, and I really do want to encourage you all to get her book. Again, I'm going to link to it in the show notes, but it's just called Keep Showing Up, How to Be Crazy in Love. When your love drives you crazy or cray cray, as I like to say. So thank you so much for listening. Be sure that you have subscribed to this podcast so that you can get every single episode right in your inbox without even doing a thing. It will just magically show up 
wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, as I end every episode in saying a good relationship is not one that works. A good relationship is one where you put in the work. Let's get to work, my friends. I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Wow, you stayed all the way to the end. You, my friend, are the real MVP. Thanks again for listening to Real Relationship Talk. The show notes can be found at realrelationshiptalk.com. Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? If not, be sure to do that now. And may your relationships be uncomplicated as you build deeper connections. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care.